Welcome to ReachMD. This medical industry feature titled Gene Therapy in SMA Care is sponsored by Novartis Gene Therapies. This program is intended for healthcare professionals. Here's your host, Dr. Jennifer Caudill. Spinal muscular atrophy, or SMA, is among the most common rare diseases in the world, affecting one in every 10,000 births. It's crucial to diagnose and treat SMA as early as possible, given the progressive nature of the disease. Each patient's journey with the disease is unique, based on a number of characteristics, including age of diagnosis and disease type. Healthcare providers should consider the need to diagnose and treat SMA as urgent. This is ReachMD, and I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Caudill, and joining me is Dr. Sandra Reyna, Vice President of Global Medical Affairs, Head Therapeutic Area at Novartis Gene Therapies. Together, we'll discuss SMA and the urgency to treat the often devastating disease early on. We'll also discuss Zolgensma, Onasemnagene Abiparvavik XIOI, a gene therapy that addresses the genetic root cause of the disease with a one-time dose and its potentially transformative impact on babies and young children diagnosed with SMA. Solgensma is indicated for children under two years of age and has a box warning for serious liver injury and acute liver failure. We'll cover important safety information throughout this podcast, and the full prescribing information is provided. Welcome, Dr. Reyna. Please introduce yourself, and we can dive in with a foundational question. What is SMA? Thank you for having me. As a former practicing theatric neurologist, this is a topic that is especially important to me. I am a clinician and researcher, and I have been involved in this field for over 20 years now. At this time, I'm very much focused in working in industry, and I have been for the last seven years. This has allowed me to really expand on my clinical practice when it comes to it putting into place what I've known for patients and what I understand about the disease, and now applying that knowledge into now developing and being part of a program that allows for therapies to come forward for clinical and treatment care. The disease that I work with, which is spinal muscular atrophy, has been very, very dear to my heart as I've been working so closely with these families for, like I said, almost 20 years now, and understand a lot of what the natural you know, cause of disease is, and not only that, but also what is the natural course that this disease follows. So I can tell you that SMA is a rare and often devastating genetic disease. SMA is caused by a lack of a functional survivor motor neuron 1, also known as SMN1 gene. This results in the progressive and irreversible loss of motor neurons, which affects muscle function, including breathing, swallowing, and basic movement. SMA is a leading genetic cause of infant death, and if left untreated, it can lead to progressive muscle weakness, paralysis, and in one of its most severe forms, permanent ventilation or death in 90% of cases by the age of two. In its most severe forms, SMA progresses quickly. And once motor neurons have been lost, they cannot be recovered. It's for this reason that healthcare professionals generally consider the diagnosis and treatment of SMA as a medical urgency and emergency. It's imperative to begin treatment, including proactive supportive care, as early as possible. We have an SMN backup gene, which is known as the SMN2 gene. And this gene produces a faulty and weak protein, but it still allows these children to survive. So therefore, the SMN protein that the SMN2 gene produces is present, but in a very, very small amount. It is important to treat SMA as early as possible. Thanks for that overview. So how can doctors and these patients' families ensure that babies are getting diagnosed as early as possible? 
You know, diagnosing and treating SMA quickly is crucial to stopping progression of the disease. Unfortunately, many clinicians may not initially recognize the early signs of SMA or may misattribute them to typical development delays, telling parents to wait and see how things are progressing. This can lead to delays in diagnosis and treatment. One of the simplest ways to detect the disease is via a routine newborn screening exam. The aim of newborn screening is to detect treatable conditions in infants that are not clinically evident during the newborn period in order to intervene as early as possible. The detection of disease through newborn screening allows for timely access to treatment and effective care, resulting in improved clinical outcomes. For some children, it can mean detecting and treating the disease before symptoms first appear. In 2018, newborn screening for SMA was added to the recommended uniform screening panel, also known as RUSP, a federal list of often devastating disorders that require intervention as early as possible and have treatment options available. It is currently being adopted on a state-by-state basis. Raising awareness of SMA and encouraging newborn screening for the disease are crucial to facilitate identification, diagnosis, treatment, and supportive care as early as possible. So once a child is diagnosed with SMA, it's critical that they are treated as soon as possible. I understand that there's a one-time gene therapy treatment option that is available to children under two years of age. What can you tell us about that? Oh my goodness, yes. There are now three FDA-approved treatments available for the disease. As a clinician who has been working with SMA patients for decades, this is remarkable. As recently as 10 years ago, we often told parents of children diagnosed with SMA that there was nothing we could do to stop the disease's progression. One of the approved treatments is Sonjelsma, which was approved by the U.S. FDA in 2019 in May for children less than two years old with SMA. Sonjelsma is the only gene therapy for SMA and is designed to address the genetic root cause of the disease by replacing the function of the missing or non-working SMN1 gene with a single one-time dose. A new working copy of the gene is delivered to the patient's cells, stopping SMA progression by telling motor neuron cells to make more of the important SMN protein. Sonjelsma is a transformative gene therapy and represents a completely new class of SMA treatment. It's an essential treatment option not only designed to provide a long-term benefit, but has one-time administration, a key differentiator from other SMA treatments. It's also the only gene therapy for SMA that continuously delivers functional SMN protein in mononeurons throughout the body. You know, there are risks associated with angiosma, which is why it's important for each patient and family to work with their physicians to determine what treatment is right for them weighing in both the potential benefits and potential risks. Sonjelsma has a box warning for serious liver injury and acute liver failure in patients with pre-existing liver impairment may be at higher risk. Cases of acute liver failure with fatal outcomes have been reported. Liver function needs to be assessed at baseline and for at least three months after infusion. And you will need to administer an oral systemic corticosteroid before and after syngelsma infusion. Platelet count and troponin I levels need to be assessed at baseline and monitored for at least three months after infusion. 
The most common side effect that occurred in patients treated with Sengelsma were elevated liver enzymes and vomiting. I would like to remind that audience to listen to additional important safety information at the end of this episode and to see the accompanying full prescribing information, including box warning. And you can visit www.sengelsma-hcp.com. For those of you who are just tuning in, you're listening to ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Caudill, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Sandy Reyna about spinal muscular atrophy, or SMA. We spoke a bit earlier about the importance of an early diagnosis and a one-time gene therapy called Zolgensma, but let's dive into what physicians should consider when discussing treatments with their patients' families. Dr. Reyna, you mentioned there are three treatments available for SMA. It's great that patients have options. Can you share a bit more about what physicians might consider when choosing a treatment? And can you share a bit more detail about Zolgensma? What patient populations have been studied and what milestones are we seeing children with SMA achieve after its one-time use? Thank you. I will definitely take that question one step at a time. There are a number of elements to take into consideration when recommending a treatment, including the route of administration. Zolgensma is given in a single dose through in an intravenous infusion for about an hour, and then the patients usually go home. As mentioned earlier, patients will need to receive an oral corticosteroid before in post-infusion. In post-treatment, they will take the oral for at least two months after depending on their liver function assessments. Baseline and monitoring labs for at least three months after infusion are required. Other SMA treatment require chronic repeat dosing. Another key element many physicians use as a parameter for selecting treatment is available data. Sunjesma has demonstrated significant and clinically meaningful therapeutic benefit in pre-symptomatic and symptomatic patients with SMA, including prolonged event-free survival and achievement of motor milestones unseen in natural history of the disease, and to date, sustained for more than five years post-dosing. Sunjesma continued to provide durable efficacy over five years after treatment in an ongoing long-term follow-up study of a phase one start trial. All 10 patients from the start high-dose cohort who enrolled in the long-term follow-up were alive and free of permanent ventilation as of June 2020. Most recently, final results from both the two and three SMA2 gene copy cohorts of the completed phase three sprint trial, which followed the treatment of 29 pre-symptomatic patients, it demonstrated that whether they have two or three copies of the SMA2 gene, most Pre-symptomatic children with SMA treated with one-time Sonjesma were able to achieve age-appropriate motor milestones, including sitting independently, standing, and walking. The purpose of SPRINT study was to evaluate the efficacy and safety of Sonjesma in patients younger than six weeks of age, showing no symptoms of SMA. In this study, the Bailey 3 scale was used to determine children's motor skills compared to what is expected of a typical developing child. There were 14 patients in the two-copy cohort. 100% or 14 of the 14 patients could sit independently 30 seconds or more, which was the primary endpoint. 79%, 11 of the 14 of the patients achieved this milestone within an age-appropriate time period, according to the World Health Organization Multicenter Growth Reference Study, or WHO, which established windows of achievement for the development of motor milestones. 71% of the patients, or 10 out of the 14, stood without assistance for more than 10 seconds, according to the WHO scale. 
five of the 10 patients achieved this milestone within age-appropriate time period. 71% of the patients, or 10 of the 14, walk without assistance, which is five steps or more, according to the WHO scale. Six of the 10 patients achieved this milestone within age-appropriate time period. 100% of patients, 14 of the 14, reach Chapman 10 score of 58 or higher at any visit up to 18 months of age, and 93%, 13 of the 14, achieved a score of 60 points or higher, keeping in mind that this scale has a total of 64 points. 93%, 13 of the 14, of patients were able to maintain weight. This is greater than or equal to the third percentile for age and gender as defined by WHO, without need of non-oral or mechanical feeding support at all visits up to 18 months of age. The study duration for this cohort was until 18 months of age. Then we can describe now the three-copy baby cohort. 100% of the patients, 15 of the 15, stood without assistance for three seconds or more, as measured again by the baby scale which was the primary endpoint. 93%, 14 of the 15 of the patients achieved this milestone within age-appropriate time period. 93% of the patients, 14 of the 15 of patients walked without assistance as measured by the baby scale. 11 of the 14 patients achieved this milestone within age-appropriate time period. 93% of the patients, 14 of the 15 of the patients stood with assistance, which is 10 seconds or more, according to the WHO scale. 11 of the 14 achieved this milestone within an age-appropriate time period. The study duration for this cohort was until 24 months of age. Now, both groups were alive and free of permanent ventilation at the end of the study. This data really represents a significant contrast to the natural history of SMA. Novartisine therapies continues to monitor product safety, including a long-term, about 15 years, of safety follow-up studies in patients treated with some gelsma. To date, more than 3,000 patients have been treated with Sunjelsma worldwide across clinical trials, managed access programs, and in the commercial setting. Thanks, Dr. Reina. We understand that living with SMA can be a lifelong burden for patients and their families. After one-time treatment with Zolgensma, is there a need for continued therapy? Very good question. Each patient's journey is unique, and it is important to define what success might look like for each individual patient as their underlying disease characteristics and timing of diagnosis and treatment elements is critical to treatment outcomes. And this can vary hugely. So I can tell you from my own experience, the difference that I was able to see when I would diagnose a patient early in life, literally right after birth, and start any form of treatment, whether that was standard of care, whether that was prescribing whatever medication was available at the time that I was seeing patients. And it was a very huge difference between those who were diagnosed and identified early and started planning on their treatment versus those who came to me after symptoms had already set in. There is a window of opportunity that should be important to stress when these patients are there in front of you, how are they presenting, what are the signs, what is the immediate management that these children have to have as part of the standard of care plus now available therapies. You know, there is currently no data-driven evidence for or against add-on therapy following treatment with Sunjasma, and it potentially presents greater burden to the patient and the healthcare system as a whole. I recognize there are questions among some of the SMA community to understand the best possible treatment outcomes for every patient. Each child is different, and what's best for the child depends on what the pediatrician or pediatric neurologist determines is necessary. Some patients will require a combination of supportive devices 
in therapies after treatment, which can include respiratory support by mechanical equipment like BiPAP or a feeding tube, an assistive walking device or a wheelchair, physical therapy, occupational therapy, or other therapies to ensure muscle development. So therefore, in my own experience, I can tell you that treating patients early is critical. I have seen it firsthand and it makes the difference of the world. Every motor milestone gained for this child is a huge gain compared to what their life would be without any treatment. Thanks, Dr. Reyna. And lastly, coming back to the big picture on SMA, what do you most want our listeners to take away from today's discussion? Thank you for asking that. I'd like to return to the point we made earlier. It's so important to keep in mind, it is imperative to diagnose SMA as quickly as possible. The sooner a patient is diagnosed, the sooner their physicians can begin to formulate a treatment plan. But as clinicians, we also need to recognize the signs of SMA as quickly as possible. So hypotonia or muscle weakness, labored breathing or difficult breathing, poor head control, and difficulty swallowing are all warning signs to be aware of. For patients that have been diagnosed, there are transformative therapy options like Sungelsma that are designed to provide a long-term benefit. The results we've seen from the one-time gene therapy are remarkably impactful. In fact, children treated presymptomatically with Sungelsma achieved standing and walking. Some were even able to achieve motor development indistinguishable from their healthy peers without SMA. Of course, results and outcomes vary among children based on several factors, including how far their SMA symptoms have progressed prior to receiving treatment. That's a great comment for us to think on as we come to the end of today's program. I'd like to thank my guests for helping us better understand SMA, the importance of diagnosing and treating it quickly, and the potential clinical benefit of Zolgensma. As with any treatment, there are potential risks associated with Zolgensma, and patients will be monitored for at least three months after dosing. Dr. Reyna, it was great speaking with you today. Thank you so very much for having me. Please stay tuned to hear some important safety information. Indication. Zolgensma is an adeno-associated virus vector-based gene therapy indicated for the treatment of pediatric patients less than two years of age with spinal muscular atrophy, SMA, with biallelic mutations in the survival motor neuron 1, SMN1 gene, Limitations of use. The safety and effectiveness of repeat administration or the use in patients with advanced SMA, for example, complete paralysis of limbs, permanent ventilator dependence, has not been evaluated with Solgensma. Important safety information. Boxed warning. Serious liver injury and acute liver failure. Cases of acute liver failure with fatal outcomes have been reported. Acute serious liver injury, acute liver failure, and elevated aminotransferases can also occur with Zolgensma. Patients with pre-existing liver impairment may be at higher risk. Prior to infusion, assess liver function of all patients by clinical examination and laboratory testing. Administer systemic corticosteroid to all patients before and after Zolgensma infusion. Continue to monitor liver function for at least three months after infusion and at other times as clinically indicated. If acute serious liver injury or acute liver failure is suspected, promptly consult a pediatric gastroenterologist or hepatologist. Warnings and precautions. Systemic immune response. Patients with underlying active infection, either acute or chronic uncontrolled, 
could be at increased risk of serious systemic immune response. Administer Zolgensma to patients who are clinically stable in their overall health status. For example, hydration and nutritional status, absence of infection. Postpone Zolgensma in patients with infections until the infection has resolved and the patient is clinically stable. Thrombocytopenia. Transient decreases in platelet counts, some of which met the criteria for thrombocytopenia, were typically observed within the first two weeks after Zolgensma infusion. Monitor platelet counts before Zolgensma infusion and on a regular basis for at least three months afterwards. Thrombotic microangiopathy. Cases of thrombotic microangiopathy, TMA, were reported to occur generally within the first two weeks after Zolgensma infusion. TMA can result in life-threatening or fatal outcomes. Obtain a baseline creatine and complete blood count before Zolgensma infusion. Following infusion, monitor platelet counts closely as well as other signs and symptoms of TMA. Consult a pediatric hematologist and or pediatric nephrologist immediately to manage as clinically indicated. Elevated troponin I. Increases in cardiac troponin I levels were observed following Zolgensma infusion. Monitor troponin I before Zolgensma infusion and on a regular basis for at least three months afterwards. Consider consultation with a cardiologist if troponin elevations are accompanied by clinical signs or symptoms. Adverse reactions. The most commonly observed adverse reactions, incidents greater than or equal to 5%, in clinical studies were elevated, aminotransferases, and vomiting. This program was sponsored by Novartis Gene Therapies. If you missed any part of this discussion, visit ReachMD.com slash industry feature. This is ReachMD. Be part of the knowledge.